0: back to another episode of Explore Messiah with Sadaka Ministries. As we always say, please know that this will be the one place where you can always ask the tough questions about God, Messiah, and the spiritual issues of life. We might not always know the answer, but we will explore it together until we discover the truth. I have to tell you as we start today's episode that I am a big fan of the Big Bang Theory. And I have already started the grieving process for the end of the series in the spring of 2019. Because I am not sure how I will cope on Thursday nights without Sheldon, Amy, Leonard, Penny, and the rest of them. And I'll Raj, Howard, Bernadette, One of the guest stars and heroes of Big Bang was Sheldon's hero, the brilliant Stephen Hawking. The physicist, and as Penny once quipped, the creator of time, died this spring, but his last book was published posthumously, say that three times fast, posthumously, just a few days ago. It's entitled Brief Answers to the Big Questions. In this book, Hawking goes into more official detail as to why he is an atheist or was an atheist. And that is the subject of today's podcast. What would I say to Stephen Hawking if I could? By the way, today's podcast is occurring for the third time in three weeks. Now, before I get started too much further, please know that this is not going to be a scientific response to Stephen Hawking. Others who are far more qualified than I could, can do this far better, better than I. And in fact, I have listed a link to, for a podcast from my friend Brian Chilton on the show notes for your listening pleasure. Go listen to Brian, not to me, if you want science. This podcast is going to consider Dr. Hawking's arguments from a spiritual, a mental, and an emotional consideration, because I believe that is one consideration, one angle that has never really been considered in relationship to this brilliant man. I have read the first chapter, at least all the pages that were not skipped in Amazon, which thankfully most of the pages of chapter one were not skipped and of brief answers to the big questions. By the way, the first chapter is there a God and I will buy the book when I have time and I'm not trying to turn my own dissertation into a book that will be published early 2019. By the way, that's your commercial Buy my book. I will go over some of his statements in this chapter However, I'm going to tread into some dangerous territory to begin this podcast and ask a a simple question. Dangerous because I do not have a psychology degree, even though some of my friends who are psychologists and counselors have suggested that I'm pretty intuitive and maybe I should look into getting, getting a psychology degree. And dangerous because I have never talked to Stephen Hawking. So I don't know the man personally. Nevertheless, here is my first question that I would ask Stephen Hawking if I could. Was he mad at God because of his ALS? Did this anger create a natural antipathy towards God that would cause his desire to deny the existence of God? Bottom line was he ticked off at God and honestly I would struggle with anger if I had his brilliant mind and was struck down with this horribly debilitating disease at the age of 21 that limited my ability to communicate, to move, and to experience life as the rest of the world experiences it and honestly I have gone through a period of religious doubt myself when I was younger and had to go through my own dark night of the soul to discover God on the other end of the dawn. And while I am not as intelligent as Dr. Hawking was, some of this religious doubt was connected to my intelligence and the lack of answers I was finding in churches and Sunday school classes of my youth. But thankfully, I had parents who allowed me to take the journey of spiritual exploration and trusted that God would show himself to me through it all. He did, and I wish that Dr Hawking would have had would have explored the writings of not me, definitely not me, but of an equally brilliant british mind c s. Lewis, whose period of agnosticism And atheism resulted in his biography, Surprised by Joy, which explained Lewis's conversion to Christianity. And this is one of the responses that I would have shared with Dr. Hawking if I could have. Because C.S. Lewis experienced the death of his mother at a young age, the horrors of trench warfare, and the original damage that the original WMDs, a.k.a. mustard gas, could do to the body during his World War I days, and other things which Hawking and could have, and you can read in his biography. Yet he was still surprised by joy when he discovered not only God, but the truth of Messiah Jesus. Interestingly enough, Lewis was married later in his life to Joy Davidman Gresham, a Jewish believer in Jesus who died of cancer. Another, you know, kick to the gut for Lewis. But that is another story for another podcast. My second question, if I could could have asked Stephen Hawking any questions at all, is this. If there is a God... Why do you feel it was your right to define him? Let me explain my questions and the reason behind it for you who are listening to this podcast. As I read chapter one of brief answers to the big questions, I felt as if I was reading a man who felt deserving of of setting the parameters of who God could be and who he could not be. This struck me as the height of hubris. In one regard, it also struck me as sad. In another regard, I do not want a God I can define for what kind of God is that? Let me give you an example from Hawking's own words. And this is from chapter one of his book, his last book. Quote, one could define God as the embodiment of the laws of nature. However, this is not what most people think of as God. They mean a human-like being with whom one can have a personal relationship. When you look at the vast size of the universe and how insignificant and accidental human life is in it, that seems most implausible. There are, there are, in close quote, there are several problems with Hawking's argument here but sadly even most theist and supposed christians will not pick up on it the first is that hawking is again trying to define god in hawking's parameters paul in romans 1 talks of humanity seeking to worship the creature create the creation rather than the creator and this is what hawking is doing trying to bring God down to our level. Paul in Romans 1 talks about doing that, and that is Hawking's cosmological and physicist first law. When we seek to bring God down to our level, we limit who God is. And Augustine of Anselm in the 4th century, and even Maimonides in the 13th century, discusses this in great detail. Ultimately, Dr. Hawking might have been brilliant in the avenue of science, but his understanding of philosophy and religio say this three times fast, religiosity fell woefully short. The second flaw in Hawking's argument, and this is what I wish I could have shared with him, is that he misses the point of the Incarnation. There is no relating to the sovereign God of the universe on a human level because of who he is and who we are. But that is why Jesus came in human form so that we could have a tangible relationship with God. The miracle of the incarnation is relationship that was impossible until then. Hawking had a tangential relationship with how he assumed God to be, but not who God truly is. We cannot define God. And even Psalm 8 clearly explains this when the writer says, What is man that you are mindful of us? The writer was astounded that God cared, but he does because he is not a deistic symbol like Hawking might allow for he is the and this the incarnation proves this reality incidentally i could go into this great big exegetical explanation of zechariah 12:1 but i don't have time and that's maybe we need another podcast to go into Lewis's life story and Zechariah 12.1. I'll have to mark that down. My third question, if I could have could have asked Dr. Hawking any questions at all, would have been this: Were you not being contradictory in chapter one of your last book, Brief Answers to the Big Questions, with your argument of negative energy? I am no scientist. Physicist or cosmologist, but energy requires motion and movement, does it not? The first law of thermodynamics states energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only change forms. In any process, the total energy of the universe remains the same. For a thermodynamic cycle, the net heat supplied to the system equals the net work done by the system. So Hawking's argument for the Big Bang coming out of nothing being negative energy falls apart by the first law of thermo- thermodynamics. So kind of a you know question point, you know, sub point A is Are you not creating positions to deny the existence of God? Is this not like Sheldon creating his 27 universes on Big Bang Theory for the same reason? Do we not often create alternatives to reality when we do not like the reality that is present? Was this what Stephen Hawking was doing? Is this not what we do sometimes as well? Here is my final question that I would have loved to have asked Stephen Hawking. Do you not recognize that a God who is able to create the universe in whatever approach he chose to take is not restricted to the question of our understanding of time? The ancient Christian theologian back in the first, second, third centuries, Bothius, best explain the philosophy of god and time in this way god is not bound to our concept of time he is both outside of time and inside of time as he was also the creator of time he is present at all moments of time and at every facet of time he is here right now while i'm speaking as well as, as at this moment with Washington crossing the Delaware. He is, present, he is both present in time and outside of time because he does not need time to exist. He began time when he began the universe, and this is one of the arguments for what makes God God. I had one of my former students, Andrew, asked me a question that was asked to him by an atheist. Would God create a rock that was so heavy that he could not lift it? The atheist thought he had Andrew stumped, and Andrew came to me asking for advice on how to answer it. My response was simply, why would God do it? Is he bound to our whims? Does such a challenge make God God or... Does that such a challenge make God less than God? I truly feel that the brilliant Stephen Hawking was seeking all his life to do the same thing, to dare God with nonsensical challenges because of something missing within Hawking himself. Can I prove this view? No, because I never met the man. But neither could Hawking prove that God didn't exist. It was simply, I would argue, a wish fulfillment out of some ingrained need that Hawking had. And this is what I wish I could have told Stephen Hawking before he died. If I could have said anything at all to the brilliant man. Did you know that the irony of Stephen Hawking's life and death is that his ashes are buried in Westminster Abbey in London? between the graves of Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton. Darwin, the father of evolution, would seem apropos in many respects. However, Newton, the father of the explainer of gravity, was a deep believer in God. In fact, Newton wrote of his faith the following, This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. I wonder what Stephen Hawking is believing now about God, the afterlife, heaven, hell. And that is the saddest question of them all. At least it is for me. What about you? Well, we have reached the end of another episode of Explore Messiah with Sadaka Ministries. If you would like to ask a question that we might try to answer on a future episode, please email us at info at org. And please know that this will be the one place where you can always ask the tough questions about God, Messiah, and the spiritual issues of life. We might not always know the answer, but we will explore it together until we discover the truth. Shalom.